Thank you, Will. Beautifully done. So, how fun was that, having those kids up here? Wasn't that amazing? All that energy and everybody going. And, and there's, there's one in particular who always reminds me of Nathan when he was little. And then, did you see those ones down front trying to grab the mic? Yeah, that was Aaron. That was Aaron when he was that age. So, yeah, that was really neat. And thanks to Pastor Barb and, and all the young people. And amazingly, that's just a small part of some of the Sabbath schools down there. If they ever actually got them all up here, there wouldn't be room for us in here probably. But, uh, but what, a, what a neat uh, ministry that goes on there every week, all the time, to have those kids come in and sing. Well, I'm glad you're here, and I appreciate uh, Brother Todd Chobatar, who spoke for us this last Sabbath. There he is. Good to see you, Todd. Uh, did a brilliant job um, sharing the concept of environment. Well, environment, well, we're in the middle of a series that we started at the beginning of this year on creation health. Uh, this is a very good program developed by Florida Hospital. A holistic approach to help, health, and each of the letters standing for important components of health and life. Uh, C for choice, R for rest. I talked about those two, and then uh, Brother Todd shared with us about environment. But today we're moving on to the letter A, as Gable pointed out during the children's story. Letter A standing for activity. So today we'll spend our time talking about activity. But in order to pull all of this together, been looking all over uh, for you. Can I, you may have forgotten, we have three services here. Oh, one, um, I saw you at first and then at okay. second, but all there's right. actually a congregation here right now. Oh, oh no, this is just going to take a second. All right, well, take a look. You well, might want to make, yeah. Well, Vince told me that okay. we are doing a sermon series on activity. Well, at least is today. That, okay, at good. Least today. All right, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I was wondering if you wanted to go for a brisk walk and get the blood flowing before you preach. Well, I'm not really kind of a walking guy. I tend to stay just kind of in this space oh, okay. here. It's easier on the camera, right. folks. But... So you can't leave right now is what you're telling me. Well, it, normally I wouldn't, but is there a good cause? Well, oh, I didn't even see them here. Yeah, well, I tried oh, to so point the, them out. So you're here for, oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so this is this probably is a bad time. I'm a little busy. But... Okay. Well, well, here's an idea. I think we should take a vote from them. Uh-huh. If you should do something. Oh, How about we know. try that? Okay, Forest Lake Caucus. Uh, we're kind of in that mood. Uh, how many of you would like to see Pastor walk the talk? <laughs> yeah. Hands down, Steve. This is a lively group. All right. Well, I, I think the, uh, the, the, the smarter people, the voice has spoken. So why don't you come up here to the front? All right. And uh, first we're going to warm up. All right. Okay. So we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. Now, for some reason, you're pretty talented at doing this motion. So let's try that one more time. We're, yeah. We're, yeah. we're warming up. Right. All right. Excellent. Okay. Now, here's what we're going to do. Because evidently, you and I appear short and fat right now. Yeah. That which is really to... not what we want. It's not right. We really aren't online viewers. No. Please. So what we're going to do? Four, six, four. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually run down the aisle. We're going to run. Run. And then you're going to run back, 
And we're going to run back. We're going to run back. And I'm going to do a little bit of something down there to give you a chance to catch your breath. Okay. Well, ready? Well, we we better hold on just a second here and uh, make sure that uh, we don't run into anyone. Yes, I do see them on the track. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Awkward. Uh, All right. Are you ready? (laughs) All right. So here's what we're going to do. Now, is this uh, is this a race? Well, sure. Okay. Sure. All right. So full contact is what you're telling right, me. Right, right. Okay, here we go. Right, ready? All right, go. Yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you head back. I feel like I won. All right, Pastor. Oh, yeah, I have to Come run Come on, back. let's see you move. Oh. Hey, you might want to cheer Woo. him on. Let's take that. Let's put that right up on top of that. There you go. Right up there? Yes. All right. Well, Pastor, we were talking last week, and you and I said that creation health activity seems to be like it's only about exercise. Remember that conversation? Yeah. But I wanted to show our friends here today, who so kindly joined us, that activity in creation health is also about God's activity in your life. And God did something way back at the beginning of time in which he created the world. That was a dramatic activity, a very important activity, the birth of a planet. And then as we travel down this timeline, we reach a point where our Lord and Savior and Creator was born, he died, and he rose again. Praise God. Amen. Then we follow this timeline some more. And we get up to about 150 years ago in 1865 when our church received an impactful and powerful health message. Mm-hmm. Remember that in Lake yeah. Oswego? Yeah, I, I would think I was there. Okay, yeah. wonderful. <laughs> then you're the right man to preach this sermon. Yeah. But then in 1994, I believe it was the month of May, Creation Health the fundamental concept was birthed into the imagination of some healthcare leaders. And then 10 years later, we have what we know as the Creation Health Seminar, the PowerPoints, the DVDs, the books, the resources, and the tools. And we've done this pretty well, haven't we, Pastor? Yeah, I think so. We've done the no, we've experienced Creation Health, But look at that timeline. Have we really achieved holistic wellness? Hmm. You see, I believe that God has been teaching creation health from the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at biblical characters, you will see that they have the same needs, the same issues, the same wants, the same desires, the same struggles, the same problems as we do. And Christ has been saying all along this journey, he's been penning the story of histories, and he's been saying, this is a story about health. This is a story about healing. This is a story about wholeness. And he wants us to experience God's prescription for living, not only just this part, which is the seminar personal study guide part, But God has a personal study guide. And what is it, Pastor? I'm going to guess the Bible. You are correct. 
And the Bible is what teaches us to live life to the fullest. Amen. You can let that go. We can let that go. All right. Now, we've got Whoops. something planned, don't we? <laughs> well, there's Creation Health right there, there at go. the end. Now you can see. <laughs> this is what we know about Creation Health. That's what God wants us to live. Because it's not only what you know, it's what you do. So as a big part of this emphasis at the beginning of the year on Creation Health, it's one thing for me to stand here week after week and tell you what these letters mean and try to say something about it that might stick for a little bit or might not. But to really go to the next level, we really need something else to try to help make this stick in your mind and become a part of your life and a part of your actual practice rather than just another category of something I heard once. And so, Ken, we're putting something together, right, along you those betcha. lines that will take place uh, towards the end of this series. What right. are we going to do? February 26 and 27, it's a Friday night and a Saturday afternoon. And I had the opportunity to have a divine appointment with an influential ministry leader who had put together a Creation Health sermon series. I saw this sermon series and I said, I know what we can do with this. We can make this a biblical wellness workshop. This is experiencing creation health like you never have before. It's new and it is innovative. And we're going to show you just a little bit of an example of two of the slides that you might see when you attend. Now I'm going to ask the question, Pastor. Mm -hmm. And since you're the pastor, right. I'm going to have you read the scripture. Okay. And then we're going to try and figure out what the answer is. All right? So this is the topic of rest. So in this Biblical Wellness Workshop, we have five rest retainers. So here is the question. Our blank can hold back rest. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. I have children. No, wait. <laughs> I read that wrong. But only turmoil. Only turmoil. Right. I have a beautiful teenage daughter. I concur. Yeah. So, Job 3.26, Job says he's experiencing the issues, and God says, here's the answer. He says, I'm going to teach you about a creation health principle of rest, but first you have to understand the problem. And the answer to this is our stress, our inner turmoil. Now, some of you are nodding. Can anyone relate that our stress can hold back rest? Let's try another one, Pastor. All right. All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. So Solomon is speaking of work, but I also think that not only is our work stressful, full of grief and pain, and some of you go, well, that's not me, but does your schedule hold back rest? I want you to think about that. So first we have our stress that holds back rest. Then we have our schedule. Now this right here, all this is is just showing you what are some of the things that you can relate to. But the beauty of this biblical wellness workshop is it's going to use creation health lifestyle principles to actually show you the answers, the solutions, the promises that are found in Scripture for you. And this is what I hope you will glean from this biblical wellness workshop. You will see here that every letter starts with R. That's because this biblical wellness workshop not only uses scripture, but it uses the concept of alliteration. 
Okay? So rejuvenate your body, refresh your spirit, refocus your mind, recharge your emotions, reinvigorate your life. How awesome is that? Amen. That God from the beginning of time has taken the creation health lifestyle principles, put them into scripture, and I believe that if we start to live out what we believe, that we too will live life to the fullest that we too will be able to basically memorize scripture because it will aid our memory. It will also aid in personal reflection, right, Pastor? Right. But the most important thing is this, that you will experience lasting lifestyle change. Lasting lifestyle change. When you take these principles that God has given you, You apply them to your life each and every day for your lifetime because these are God's timeless principles. And he has given them to you and he has given them to me. I hope to see you February 26 and 27 at the Biblical Wellness Workshop. Is it free? Absolutely. Okay? We're also looking at having child care on Saturday afternoon. More of that will come. You know the encyclopedia you hold in your hand? There's going to be another piece of paper in there that will talk about this. And I think it's going to be an incredible activity for all of us to experience right before we get to the end of this series. Yep. So thank you, Pastor, for right. letting this come into the church. Yep. And blessings to you all. All Happy right. Sabbath, thank bro. you, Ken. Helping us out there. Let's give him a hand. And Tim as well, thank you for helping out with the uh, spool, except you almost pulled it out of my hand. That was rough. All right, so there's a lot of crazy stuff going on today. We had kids up here for a while. We had Ken coming in here. Pay no attention to the gentleman to my left. There's nothing to see there. Uh, Actually, we will deal with him in a minute. Uh, Sebastian, I don't know if you know him, but uh, uh, we'll deal with him in a minute. Uh, He's just going to do a little activity over there while we talk about, what is it? Oh, activity. Yeah, that's what we're talking about today. So Creation Health, it's, uh, it's an acronym. Uh, you've heard it mentioned before. Actually, just before I go any further with that, let me call your attention to, to one difference that's happening this next Sabbath. Um, we've been in the middle of this series and, and, and week by week, but we're actually taking a brief break from this series next week uh, and having a special Sabbath here, Florida Hospital's Inclusion Sabbath, uh, that they've held at other churches at different times. They're going to be with us next Sabbath. I really shouldn't be talking right now because you're all just watching Sebastian. I know, it's fascinating. Uh, I saw him do this before. So uh, you got it? Okay, we're good. All right. Next Sabbath is a special Sabbath, inclusion Sabbath, and uh, uh, Don Jernigan is going to be our speaker next week at 3rd. Now, we haven't really promoted this because we have enough people here all the time anyway, and and we'll be having some extra guests that day, so we didn't want to over-promote and not have any room in the church. So so be a little break in what we're doing next Sabbath. I'll be speaking at first on another topic uh, if you want to go to first next week and, and give your seat to somebody else. But, so that's next week. Uh, but today we're continuing our theme of creation health. The C stands for choice, and we talked about that several weeks ago. And then R for rest. And then Brother Todd so well talked to us about environment last week. Today is A, activity. The thing about the concept of holistic health is it's, it's not just fitness, it's not just eating, it's not just mandated rests, but, but rather a way to think about your whole life. And if you will pursue it, 
it will make your life better. How many times have you thought, I, I wish my life could be better? These are principles that if you will pursue them, will make your life better. We've talked about choice and how sometimes the choices we make leave us with very few options later on. Well, with regard to our topic today, activity, never before, I believe, in the history of the world has choice played such a large role with the issue of activity because never before have so many people actually been able to choose inactivity or choose nominal activity and still survive. This is actually a luxury of our day because most of us, we don't survive by the strength of our arms and the strength of our legs anymore. And because of that, our intrinsic motivation to activity just isn't what it used to be. Now this is actually a moment that I think is worthy of considering this thought is worthy of considering for a moment for this disconnect that has come into our lives between physical labor and survival has, I believe, a legion of impacts significant to our day. There used to be a time that you worked hard and the result of working hard was you had food. And it was pretty easy to stay motivated because you knew if I don't go out there and get those seeds in the ground, if I don't go out there and make sure the plants are growing, if I don't make sure everything's irrigated, I'll have nothing to eat later. But how many of you are farmers? Not too many. And so in our minds has come a separation between the concept of work and survival. It's still kind of in there, but we think of it like this. Food comes from a grocery store, you get it with money, and the best way to get money is to work, or at least one of the ways to get money. But there's not that direct association anymore. So we have a disconnect now between work and food. And, and I believe that our self-perception of the intrinsic value of our physical selves has been harmed in this time, and I think particularly amongst men. You see, there was a time when physical strength and the ability to use that strength to accomplish work was one of the greatest assets that a man had. And in fact, a hard-working, strong man had little worry that he and his family would be in need because he was out there working, providing, bringing in food with the strength of his arm. These days, men, our feats of strength are often limited to opening a stubborn pickle jar or rearranging furniture. And often our rewards are commensurate to the value of those acts. So this reality of a world where physical strength is a nice feature but not required has definitely altered some of the details in the symbiotic nature of marriage and the male-female relationships in our day, prompting Maureen Dowd, an op-ed columnist for the New York Times, a few years ago to pen a book on the subject of modern male-female relationship provocatively and only slightly ironically entitled, Are Men Necessary? 
Now, gentlemen, this is not intended to be a pretext for masculine excuse-making, so don't try to cover what I'm saying here as an excuse for bad behavior. Here's the deal, guys. This is the world we're in now. So man up and figure it out, all right? This is where we're at. But rather, I mention this to bring additional context that could hopefully promote better understanding in what is always a complicated arena, male and female relationships. The larger point is that in our day, for many in this room, there is an almost complete disconnect between the concept of strenuous physical activity and survival. And this disconnect has left us weakened in many obvious and some not so obvious ways. Now it's difficult to find a Bible story that illustrates the negative life impacts of working an office job and never getting any strenuous exercise. I've looked, I haven't found that story. But there is one rather peculiar story that sort of hints at what can happen when one leaves all strenuous things to others, though, uh, admittedly, it's a tertiary reference. And this is actually a strange story in a lot of ways because it's a story that gives some physical details that are usually missing from the Bible. The Bible doesn't always tell us all the details. It's the story of Ehud, a left-handed Benjamite. In fact, there's some evidence to suggest that, in fact, what he was was right-hand limited. But the Bible refers to him as a left-handed Benjamite who went on a mission to assassinate the king of Moab. We find this story in the book of Judges, chapter 3, verse 15. And again the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer. Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera the Benjamite, the Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. You see, this is why left-handed is so relevant to this story, because most people, if they were coming in before the king and you were to check them for a weapon, you would look over here because they would take it with their right hand. But because his right hand was either impaired or because of just the unexpectedness of being left-handed, they didn't think to check this leg. And Ehud could reach across easily and have his full strength. Now, the story gets even stranger. Verse 17, he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. Bible doesn't call you out on that very often, does it? For some reason, Eglon got called out on that one. That's not a detail the Bible shares very often. It's usually not relevant. But here's another reason, I think. In that day, people weren't generally rotund. It was unusual. Why? Because the common person didn't normally have access to enough food in order to ever get fat. And because what food they did have, they had gotten through vigorous labor, working the soil and tending the flocks. But the king of Moab is different, isn't he? 
You see, the king of Moab had the luxury of being obese because in his world, there was no longer any connection between hard physical labor and food. So in a way, he's kind of like us, isn't he? Now, there's an ironic aside to this story that actually connects this story back to the sermon we did on choice. You remember we talked about Lot and the choices he made and how he ended up in a cave with his daughters with everything gone. Moab was the name of the son born to Lot by his oldest daughter after Lot had lost everything. And now the years have gone by and we see the descendants of Lot fighting the descendants of Abraham. In the end, Ehud is successful in his assassination plot and Eglon is killed Again, with a strangely detailed physical description, which I won't read, but if you want to look it up, it's in verses 21 and 22. But there aren't a lot of stories in the Bible that really seem to relate to this. I could only think of one other reference that may or may not mean what it would mean to us today, yet it still might be relevant. I, it was it's found in Amos chapter 1, chapter 4, sorry, Amos chapter 4. And here it is. It says, Hear this word, you cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria. You women who oppress the poor and crush the needy and say to your husbands, bring us some drinks. That's a little harsh calling the ladies cows, isn't it? That's what's going on there. Now, why cows of Bashan? Well, that was a very fertile land. And you know what the cows did in the land of Bashan? They got fat. And so here Amos is saying, you women who oppress the poor and crush the needy and say to your husbands, bring us drinks. The sovereign Lord has sworn by his holiness, the time will surely come when you will be taken away with hooks, the last of you with fish hooks. You will go straight out through breaches in the wall and you will be cast out toward Harmon, declares the Lord. You see, the northern tribes of Israel had become very wicked. And Amos had risen up at God's command to call the people to a repentance. Particularly was he calling, it seems, those of what had become an aristocratic class who were living in ease while the rest of the people suffered. And perhaps it's a stretch to make this connection, but one of the issues at play seems to be the negative reality of those who sit by in inactivity while others are crushed by their lifestyle demands. And it is at this point that we could easily digress into a quite supportable diatribe regarding how Americans live the high life while the world is sunk into poverty. And that would be valid, but, but instead I want to go another way with this. And that's to make this suggestion. God never intended us to be inactive. You can take that in many ways. I suspect they'd all be true. For example, God didn't intend us to just sit on the couch and get soft and lazy and rotund. If you're going to pick a biblical role model, don't pick Eglon. Wrong guy. God didn't intend us to waste our mental capacity on passive amusements and entertainments such as TV and movies and internet surfing and even some kinds of books. It's a passive inactivity. 
God didn't intend us to just sit back inactively when members of our community face poverty and oppression. See, I don't think God intended us ever to do nothing. There's rest, sure, and we talked about that. But this is different. God created us to be active. I believe God gave us activity in the Garden of Eden to give our, in order to give our lives meaning. And I believe God acted again after sin in order to make sure we stay even more active. First, the garden, Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that, why? They may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. They were created with purpose, with something to do. From the beginning, God gave humans a directing, caring role to play, a role to be active. But that's not all. Chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So this is from the beginning. God has created man and he has given him a role. And he put him in the garden and said, keep this place nice. But now, ladies, don't think this doesn't apply to you because it does specifically say he took the man. Don't think this doesn't apply to you lest you become known as modern-day cows of Bashan. No offense intended, of course, I'm sure. Genesis 2, verse 18. The Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Not a watcher. Not a critic either, by the way. A helper, someone to join in the work. Now, I don't know if this means Adam just wasn't getting the work done or if maybe he was achieving functionally but with no style and grace. I don't know what the problem was, but for whatever reason, it wasn't good. And so God made woman to join man in his activities so that it would be good. All of this was the plan before sin. But when Adam and Eve learned of evil and the propensity towards evil and selfishness that was born in their hearts, it became necessary, I believe, that God determined they needed gainful activity now even more than before. And so God said and did this, Genesis 3, verse 17, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Okay, wait a minute. You may be thinking, this is a curse of God, not something given as a blessing. Well, true enough, it is a curse though I believe it was a curse with a purpose. A curse that in the end would do us good, not harm. Why? Well, because I believe even more so after sin, God knew we needed activity. I believe God knew that idle hands, as the saying goes, 
are the devil's playground. And therefore, I believe this new normal where it would take constant, rigorous activity in order to eke out a living from the stubborn soil was one of the ways God was able to save us from ourselves. Because at the end of a long, hard day, we're just too tired to go out and get in trouble. Right? God's pretty smart, isn't he? And if this is true, does it not go a long ways towards explaining why so many get in trouble now? To the point that for certain children of privilege, there is even a condition known as affluenza, a psychological malaise where life seems to lack purpose or meaning, leading the sufferer to all manner of harmful living. People didn't have time for affluenza when they had to work hard to survive. Could it be that our biggest problem is that we have it so good? And instead of being fat, dumb, and happy, we're fat, overstimulated, and miserable. What if the simplest answer was for us to just get active again? To get out there and stretch our stiff arms and legs and do some real-to-life, honest-to-goodness, toilsome, yes, toilsome, and laborious activity. To sweat. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 12. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their ease. Well, it doesn't say that, does it? And find satisfaction in all their toil. This is a gift from God. Not eat, drink, and be merry, nor eat and drink for tomorrow we die, but rather eat and drink and find satisfaction in toil. This is the gift of God. We were made to be active. So for three years, I watched my children run in the Miriam Kittrell 5K at Forest Lake Education Center. I was the encouraging parent. I would station myself at key points. You're doing great, as they ran by. I was actually very clever with it. I plotted how I could get to the most number of encouraging spots without having to cover much ground at all. And while it began to bother me that I wasn't running with them, what really galled me was so many of you were. But what really bothered me most was that I wasn't sure I could do it in any kind of reasonable time, even if I tried. I wasn't even sure I could finish in an hour. And I don't know if it was the fact that I was about to turn 50 or what, but one day I began to realize I feel old, not like I used to feel. I'm stiff, can barely put my shoes on in the morning. I nearly pass out when I mow the lawn, and then I'm sore for days afterward. I get winded just walking to the back of the church. 
start gasping. I don't feel strong anymore. I can't even jump across a small span. If I come to a stream, I'm going to have to wade. I can't jump. And it was in the context of such thoughts that I was sitting one Sabbath on the front row of the church here next to Pastor Bernie, who I knew was a runner. I needed to tell him something as we were sitting there, so I reached over and poked his leg with my finger and nearly broke my finger. (laughs) And it occurred to me, my legs aren't strong like that anymore. I remember I poked my own leg after that. And the difference was like the difference between poking a tree trunk and poking a pillow. And I didn't like that. So I decided I have to get active or I'm going to waste away even more. So one year ago, I started running. You see the quotes, right? I thought I would build up to be able to run the 5K with the kids, but it had been years for me and building up took a long time. In fact, last year I never got to where I could run a whole mile without a walking interval, but I did get to where I could go eight miles with intervals without stopping. And last year I participated in the 5K, and I intend to do it again this year. And I was able to spend all day two weeks ago moving all of our belongings without breaking down in total exhaustion. By the way, thank you to so many of you who helped us out that day. I didn't really lose any weight last year, but I sure felt better. Now I gotta tell you, schedules are crazy. Recently my crazy schedule has nearly killed my exercise plan. But I'm starting up again because I felt so much better after I got physically active than I did before. I don't feel as old anymore. 50's not as old as 49, turns out. But I'm not the only one here to learn this lesson. When I arrived at Forest Lake Church about four and a half years ago, there was a guy who used to lead worship. He's stopping. Okay, there was a guy who used to lead worship at Deeper and sometimes at Second Service by the name of Sebastian. He looked a little bit like this guy who's been pedaling here this whole time, but there was a key difference. You see, it turns out some people finally got him to get out and get active. So, Saba, what's the difference between who you are now and who you were then? Uh, about 30,000 miles on, on the bike. Um, I, used to be, I used to call myself an athlete because I would play soccer once a month and watch soccer on TV. And then one day my knee started hurting. I borrowed a friend's bike, and I went down a hill a little faster than usual, and I was like, childhood. Like, it just came back, flooding back. And... Uh, then I got involved in riding with some other groups with a lot of 60, 70-year-olds that were dropping me in the dust. And uh, in fact, I did cross Florida last year, 180 miles in one day with a 65-year-old. And uh, basically, it just became a lifestyle. It's no longer a hobby. It's part of me. And that's kind of like where I... What finally got you up off the couch? 
<clears throat> and onto the bike. I think exercising, I, I remember in high school when I was in shape, so to speak, exercising cleared my mind for school, for studying and everything. And I also believe exercise clears your mind for spiritual activity, for connecting with Christ more. When you're just dragging throughout your day and, and stuff like that, and I've seen it with my wife too. My wife also does her little pio exercise on TV, the thing and everything, the mat and everything. I'm not the only one in the house who exercises. Yeah, right, well. And I've seen how her alert, her state of alertness and her you know, spirituality and everything, it, just, it affects everything because the body is the temple of the spirit. And it's not just physical. It's also spiritual and social and mental and everything. So... So you wouldn't trade your life now for your life when you used to spend all those comfortable hours on the couch? No, I, I would say I got to calm down on the gear because it's an expensive hobby, but thanks to my wife. Thank you, baby Kate. For letting me in, you know. But uh, I will say I, won't, I wouldn't trade it for anything because um, being able to take care of your body means that you can take care of other people around you as well. So. So he's been up here riding this whole time. How far did you go? In the I time almost hit 10. Just under it's 10 almost, miles? Under 10 miles, yeah. So it doesn't take that long to just get active yep. and do something. You have any advice for everybody listening to you? I do. What your son said, uh, stop thinking about it so much and do it. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten up in the morning and I've been like, Ah, it's, it feels like it's going to rain, and then you get out there, and it's, ah, oh, this is too cold for Florida, and then, then you're like, and then you start seeing that other people, all your friends start, you know, saying, hey, how'd you, how was your ride today? Oh, I haven't been on the bike yet, because I've been thinking about it too much. So stop thinking about it. God gave you a body. God gave you an opportunity to exercise, to move. Even if it's just walking, you don't have to do thousands of miles. You can just walk, even if it's just walking to the mailbox. It's going to make a difference because you're taking care of your temple. So. Amen. So now is not the time for think, think, think. Now is the time for do. And you can go do, think, do if you want. That's what Gable said. But, but that's what Aaron always says. Aaron's not afraid to act. So here's what I want to say to you today. Tap into your inner Aaron. You've all got that rascal in there somewhere. Tap into your inner Saba who can ride his bike anywhere. Tap into your inner Bernie, who does everything at church and still finds time to run. Tap in and get moving, because God made us to be active. Don't let your life slip away, because you no longer have to labor physically to survive. Because that's true, being active for you will not be automatic. You will have to choose activity. Don't be Eglon. Don't be a cow of Bashan. Choose to be active as God intended. Choose to be active and live. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you have blessed us with the ability to move and to do. And Lord, to the degree that we have not done so, we confess it and ask for your grace that you will enable us to move and to do and to become strong and to experience true living. Help us not to think about it. 
Help us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.